may be seated this morning. Thank you, worship team, for leading us into the presence of God. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, a beautiful, sunshining morning in August. Can you believe it's August? It's August. School is coming. Parents are about to sing, it's the most wonderful time of the year when school is coming. Hallelujah. But it's still August. We still have some summer left. And so God is good. God is good. I get the pleasure of bringing the word this morning. My name is Pastor Keith. I'm the executive pastor here. And uh, if you're joining us by MC Online, we welcome you. Thank you for joining us this morning. If you're in the house, welcome to the house. Welcome to the Mission Church. You might notice that I'm walking with a little bit of a limp this morning. It's, It's because... I went on vacation last week, and uh, vacation is always a great time, but I'm not the type of person to sit around during vacation, and so I, uh, I had a family reunion, we were on a lake, and so I went water skiing, hey, 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 yeah, and so I went water skiing, and uh, how many know when you ski, you're never supposed to cross your skis, right, right, I downhill ski all the time, right, so I know not to cross my skis, water skiing is a little different, because you have to lean back, okay? So when, the, when they punch the boat, you lean back. And, uh, and so I was leaning forward a little too much, and I crossed my skis, and my bindings didn't break off of my foot in time, and I bent my knee, and I sprained my MCL. And so that's okay. I just wanted an explanation of why I'm little, looking a little gimpy up here. But the Holy Spirit is with me, Amen. and all things are good. And I got back up, and I'm up here this morning, and God is good, amen? And so we're going to turn and continue our series in Acts. We're going to look at Acts chapter 13, the very end of the passage, and then read from a passage in Acts chapter 14. And so starting with Acts chapter 13, verse 50, at the very end, it reads, But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. But they shook the dust off their feet against them and went to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. They shook the dust off their feet. When you are in God's will, sometimes you just need to shake off the bad vibes and move on with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Is that not a message for us this morning? Sometimes you just need the joy of the Holy Spirit and to move on. There's a certain joy and security of the Holy Spirit that supersedes all of our circumstances, amen? So no matter where you find yourself today, the joy of the Holy Spirit supersedes all of your circumstances and you can move on with the joy of the Lord. Can I get an amen this morning? Let's be interactive. Let's Let's enjoy each other's company and let's enjoy the Holy Spirit because God is in this place. Amen. Sometimes we just need to let things roll off your back. How many know what I mean? Sometimes you just got to let it roll off your back. Paul was literally driven out of the city. He was chased out of the city for doing God's work and he he dust his feet off. He shook the dust off and he moved on. We live in such a culture today that Everyone gets offended by everything, and it's exhausting. Everyone is offended by everything. If you live your life according to the gospel, you control your actions, you love others, 
you can dust the dirt off your feet and you can move on with joy of the Holy Spirit. Amen? If you control your actions and you love other people and you're living your life according to the gospel and other people are acting foolish, you can't control other people, can you? You can just shrug your shoulders and move on. That's literally what it means, dusting, your, dusting the dirt off your feet. In the, today's con- context, it just means shrug your shoulders. Just shrug your shoulders and control your own life. Amen? Amen. We see a certain attitude in living on God's will when you read about Paul's missionary expeditions. You see the attitude of the joy of the Holy Spirit even in the midst of those who did not like him. And we find that we can do the same thing even in the midst of people who don't agree with you you can't control their actions. You can, you can control your own actions and you can have the joy and the attitude of the Holy Spirit. Paul had no problem with people not accepting him. Had no problem people not accepting the gospel because he couldn't control them. All he could control is himself. And so he moved on with the joy of the Holy Spirit. The attitude of optimism knowing that with every great opportunity there is a really strong opposition is a reality in today's culture and was a reality for Paul. That's our driving point for today, where the message is, get back up. And the theme is, how do we respond to great opposition, recognizing that we have great opportunities? You see, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 16, 19, for a great door of effective work is opened unto me, and there are many in opposition, which means great opportunity means great opposition. As we study Acts 14, it brings us to a story about Paul and Barnabas witnessing in a city named Lystra. We're going to jump to Acts chapter 14. We're going to read from verse 8, and we're going to read about Paul and Barnabas. And so in verse 8, it reads, Now Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, who looked intently at him, And seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. This is a key case study in misplaced worship. Misplaced worship. Paul, through the Holy Spirit, heals a crippled man. He heals him through the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle. The Lyconians see the miracle and they immediately see the miracle and fuse their own belief system with Paul's actions. What do I mean by that? Well, the Lyconians held Greek mythology as the religion. We see the evidence because they called uh, Paul Hermes, they, they called uh, Barnabas Zeus. They had a Zeus temple at the entrance of the city gates, so they held Greek mythology as their main religion. They praised gods that had literally no power. They're mythical gods, made up beings that they praised. And then a key part of the scripture is that the man who was crippled heard the gospel first. He heard Paul speak, and then he was healed. We see that in verse 9. It says, she listened to Paul speaking. He heard, and then he was healed. This means that the Lyconians 
heard the gospel and the truth of Jesus, yet when they saw the miracle, they immediately combined their belief system with Paul instead of replacing it with the gospel. They combined their, their belief system instead of replacing it with the gospel. We see in, in verse 11, and the crowds saw what Paul had done. They lifted up their voices saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of ben, men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and gardens to the gates and wanted to offer a sacrifice to the crowds. It's a case in misplaced worship. You ever hear the saying, you are what you eat? Have you heard that saying before? There's many commercials that, that go off that theme. Commercials that are representing and marketing healthy foods Right? And so they say, if you eat all this unhealthy food, you turn into that and you look like that. Right? I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily want to look like a stick of broccoli or a carrot stick. Right? So, so that concept doesn't really make sense. But you are what you eat. The same with our spiritual lives. You are what you worship. Your spiritual life will reflect what you are worshiping. Sometimes we misplace our worship on other things and superimpose the gospel. That's what the Lyconians did. They superimposed their belief system and combined them. They automatically saw what Paul did as a miracle and they held on to their belief system and combined the two. Instead of replacing their belief system with the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ, they held on to what they believed and combined it with what Paul did. We do that all the time. Sometimes we do that without even thinking about it. Sometimes we fall into the trap of confusing our belief systems and what we are worshiping, and we combine them. What are some examples of combining our belief systems? Well, God and country is one that comes to mind. Nationalism is not a bad thing. How many are proud to be American? I am proud to be an American. I love watching the Olympics because I love watching our nation do so well. I cheer for every American Olympian because I am a proud American. Amen? It's good to be a proud American. But it's, pro it's a problem when the country comes before God. If I'm more proud to be an American than I am a Christian, then my belief systems are combined. They're foggy. When we start loving our country more than we start loving God, then we have a misplaced worship system. If I worship being an American more than I worship God, our priorities are messed up. Worship God first, pray for our country second. If we are not careful, we worship a political party before God and confuse God's will and the gospel with our desires. Yes, we desire to see our country do things. We desire different things to happen within our country. But if we serve a political party, a political purpose, before we accept God's will, then we have misplaced worship. We're combining belief systems. What other things do we worship? The mall. I read a book where the author called the mall a cathedral or a house of worship, right? A house of worship because the mall is a place people go to make themselves look better, buy clothes, buy things, do different things. The vanity within the mall, but culture has grown so much that it's not just the mall, it's Amazon. You one, two clicks and you have things delivered at your door the next day. It's amazing. I love Amazon. 
And during Christmas, I have the Amazon driver come to my house like almost every day for a week straight. He knows my name. So I'm guilty of this too. But Amazon, things, we pray for God to bless us with things and with stuff, imposing the blessing of God with material possessions. When we worship stuff, we reflect materialism and we have a blurry picture of God in the midst. So when we can't afford something, we blame God for our circumstances. You ever blame God for your circumstances of not being able to afford something? Or maybe you have something that's really nice and it gets destroyed and you blame God. Why did that happen? Why did this have to happen to me, God? Why? Why is my car destroyed? We confuse materialism as worship. It's a misplaced worship. What else? We worship ourselves in our society. We worship ourselves. Misplaced worship instead of worshiping God. We worship ourselves. Our feelings are everything within our culture. Society has a problem worshiping our feelings, our truth, and replacing it with God's truth. Then once we feel a certain way, we find scripture out of context to justify it, or we find a house of worship that affirms our flawed beliefs of our feelings. It's so easy to feel a certain way, to hop on the internet, Google our feelings, and find the affirmation that we're searching for. And then on top of that, find a house of worship, a church that affirms our feelings. It's so easy to misplace our worship with how we're feeling and what we want to feel in the affirmation instead of God's truth. God created man and woman. It's a biblical principle and a scientific fact, yet feelings become a belief system that combined with the gospel and you get a whole confused set of churches and denominations who don't speak truth and love. That's what happens when we have misplaced worship. When we don't worship the God of the Bible, but the God of our feelings, you have a confused belief system. This is what the Lyconians did. They were confused to begin with. They were worshiping fake mythical gods in, Greek, in the Greek mythology with Zeus and Hermes. And yet they saw the miracle of God, the Holy Spirit working through Paul. They saw the miracle. They also heard the gospel through Paul. And instead of replacing their Greek mythology with the gospel, they combined the two. We so easily combine belief systems without recognizing it. It happens within our society. It even happens in church. If God is not first, if God is not the priority, if God is not the aspect of worship, your worship is wrong. Humanity also worships the latest and greatest trends. The latest and greatest trends. We see that with the Lyconians and the Greek gods. We live in a hyper-spiritual society. Ever notice everything on TV probably has to do with magic or the supernatural or zombies? All the movies that are coming out has so much spiritual undertones to them. We live in such a hyper-spiritual culture that that draws people to watch because they're curious. They want to know what's going on. People are so hungry for the supernatural. We are so hungry for the supernatural, yet we feed it with the spiritual darkness and the fake and the empty supernatural instead of the powerful spirit. Ever hear millennials or young people ask, so what's your sign, right? That's like 
a common date question. First date, you talk about things. So what sign are you? Oh, you were born in this month, so that means that your sign is this. So you're supposed to act this way, and this represents my personality so well. This nonsense. It's just nonsense. I mean, come on, people. It's like taking a fortune cookie, opening it up, and deciding your future on a fortune cookie. I mean, open your eyes to the spiritual deceptiveness. I mean, the Holy Spirit is available for all of us, and the spiritual darkness blinds people to the truth. And people get caught up in the spiritual darkness, and they don't even know what's happening. They don't even know what they're opening their heart to. It's deceiving. But it's the latest and greatest trends. You see, the great opportunity means there's great opposition. We live in such a spiritual, ripe society, but deeply spiritual, dark forces are at work. And it deceives people. We need Christians to be on guard as protection, but we also need to be on the attack. Have you ever heard in sports the theme, the best defense is a good offense? It's time for us as Christians to be on the offense. It's time to be equipped with the Holy Spirit and to attack. It's time to not sit back in the corner and protect our lives in our own little bubble of Christianity, but it's time for us to be on the attack and to call out the spiritual nonsense and darkness within our society. People are striving for spiritual in their lives or a spiritual renewal in their lives, and yet they're looking in the wrong places because they're being deceived by a culture and society driven by the enemy. The enemy wants nothing more than confusion people with their spirituality. He wants nothing more for people to look to spiritual darkness for fulfillment, but they're never going to get fulfillment from spiritual darkness. And we have the answers, and yet we sit back in our beautiful houses, in our beautiful churches, in our Christian bubbles, and we don't say anything. It's time for us to be on the attack. It's time for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's time for us to preach the gospel and not care what other people think or what they say. We can shake the dust off our feet. We can shrug our shoulders because we're living out the Great Commission. We're living out what the Bible tells us to do. And that's okay to have opposition. It's okay for people to disagree with us. And guess what? The devil's going to disagree with you. So when you preach the gospel, when you live a godly life, when the Holy Spirit fills you and you are bold and courageous with your, with your spiritual life, the devil's going to come after you. Because great opportunity means great opposition, and the best defense is a good offense. And so if we're tired of our country spiraling down a dark spiritual hole, it's time for us, the church, to step up. And it starts with us individually. You ever heard the Michael Jackson song, Man in the Mirror? I think of that song. Right? Can you sing it, Chris? Right? I'm looking, starting with the man in the mirror. Ah, Right? Yeah? Yeah? There we go. Start with the man in the mirror. Revival starts with you. It's not with me up here preaching. Revival starts with the person in the mirror. Once you catch on fire for God, and then I catch on fire for God, and then someone else catches on fire for God, that's how revival starts. I'm not going to do it for you. I can't do it for you. The Holy Spirit's here and ready and willing to fill you. 
It starts with your personal responsibility in your relationship with God and your worship, worshiping God first, not worshiping other things. Right? Because in Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces and evil in the heavenly realms. We are fighting a spiritual force in a realm that we cannot see. Spiritual battles require a firm foundation of faith. So when you combine the gospel with another belief system and you have misplaced worship, you have shaky faith. You have shaky faith. In verse 14, moving on in this passage, but when the apostle Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed into the crowd crying out, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men like you, like of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is within them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk on their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. They believed what they saw, but they did not listen. They had no foundation of faith. They were not listening to the gospel and converting their lives. They just watched the miracle, combined their belief system, then they gave the credit to Paul and Barnabas. We see all kinds of examples of a foundation of faith within Scripture and the gospel. And Luke 6, when it talks about it, it reads, As for everyone who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid a foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on a ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. That's like us in our faith. If we have a weak foundation, our spiritual life will fall quickly and we won't be able to get back up. The Lyconians heard this but did not put into practice the gospel. Their foundation was weak. We as Christians need a firm foundation of which we live our lives. This means that we must practice what we hear, the word of God. We must practice what we read in the word of God. We must pray and we must worship him above everything else. Our foundation of faith is the most important aspect of your life because we're going to face trials and tribulations. We're going to face opposition in our lives because we have a a spiritual enemy who wants nothing more than put your life out of balance. The Lyconians heard the gospel but did not put it into practice. You hear the gospel and sometimes we hear it so often we take it for granted and we don't put it into practice in our everyday lives. It's important to have a foundation of faith. It's important to pray for our children to have a foundation of faith. Statistically, do you know that when children hear the word of God when they are younger, when they apply it to their lives when they're younger, statistically, they have a better shot of keeping their faith or having Jesus in their heart for the rest of their lives than those who come to Christ not hearing about God as a child. It's important for us as parents to sow the seeds of God's grace and mercy While they are young. Amen, parents? They praised Paul for God's miracle. They literally were trying to sacrifice to Paul. 
because of the miracle he performed on behalf of God through the Holy Spirit. It was misplaced worship, weak faith foundation, but above that all else, we see a leadership principle here with Paul. Great opportunity means a great opposition. Paul had the great opportunity of witnessing in the gospel and the great opportunity of, of having a miracle through him in the Holy Spirit, but the opposition could have been his pride. You see, Paul could have taken credit for God's work. They were already about to sacrifice to him. They were calling him a god. They were calling him a hero. They were calling him, this guy did the miracle. Paul himself did the miracle. He is our new god in the flesh. They were worshiping him. Have you ever taken credit for something that God has done? Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's your health or your possessions or your family. Paul instead quickly denied his own works and pointed it to Christ. We need to quickly deny any blessings, skills, talents, favors in our lives, not because it's anything that we did, but point it directly to the mercy and grace of God. How many know you are sitting here today because of the grace and mercy of God? Anything and everything in our lives is because of the grace and mercy of God. The great opportunity for God to show up in your life is also a great great opposition to taking pride in your life. Because you can very well see, look at everything that you've built and take credit for it without recognizing the grace and mercy of God and the blessings of God on your life. We need to quickly give God the credit. Good leaders give others the credit. Godly leaders recognize it's only by the grace of God. It's only by the grace of God. Paul, a godly leader, ran out to stop the sacrifice to him, then the Lyconians with weak faith, weak faith, immediately were persuaded against the gospel and turned on Paul. They turned on Paul immediately. And in verse 19, it reads, but the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and, they ha- and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. The weak faith of the Lyconians, easily were persuaded by the Jews, resulted in Paul stoning. How quickly things changed. You go from Paul performing a miracle to Paul being praised, almost sacrificed. They were praising him like a god to then turning on him immediately and stoning him. He went from god status to villain status in a moment. The sinful human nature and the devil's schemes blind and deceive in a moment's time quickly they turned on him but in verse 20 but when the disciples gathered about him he got back up and went back into the city he got back up and went back in the city can you imagine being stoned can you imagine people throwing rocks at you to the point where you're on the ground you're basically dead he got back up and walked back into the city of which they just stoned him. How mind-blowing is that? That's ridiculous. That's stupid. It is stupid. If I was there, I'd say, Paul, what are you thinking? Why are you stupid? They just stoned you. They literally threw rocks to kill you. They thought you were dead, so they dragged your body outside of the city gates because they didn't want your stinky dead body rotting in the roads. That's why they drug his body out of the city, because they thought he was dead. 
and he got back up and he walked back in. What are you thinking? It's a spiritual lesson. Get back up. Get back up. Whatever knocks you down, get back up. I think of the Rocky movies, the Eye of the Tiger theme song. Right? Come on, the great anticipation of the Rocky movies. He's all excited to go in the fight. He gets in the fight. He gets knocked down like a million times. He gets back up every single time. He cries, Adrian! He throws a haymaker punch. He wins the fight, right? Spiritual implications there. How many of you know the devil is throwing stones at you every single day? You're going to get knocked down. But when you're in God's will, you can get back up. Think about all the the stones that are thrown at you, that the enemy throws at you, right? Think about your workplace culture. Maybe you work in an unhealthy workplace, and that's a stone that's thrown at you every single day. Guard yourself with the Holy Spirit. Read up on your word and get back up and go back into work every single day because you're protected by the Holy Spirit, amen? Think about your physical health. Maybe some of you are being knocked down because your physical health. Get back up every single day day. Give praise to the Lord that you're living and standing and keep moving forward. Maybe some of you are facing mental health crisis, right? Some of those unseen things. Get back up every single day. Praise God. Put things in perspective of a spiritual expectation on your life and keep moving forward. Some of you are getting hit with stones of relationships within your family, within your friends. Maybe there's drama going on in your house, in your life. Get back up because God will give you the strength to move forward. Some of you face all the struggles of finances. Maybe you're being thrown stones at finances that are hitting you and you can't afford different things. Give it to God. Pray to God. Say, God, give me the wisdom to move forward and get back up. Get back up. When the enemy knocks you down, get back up because we know we have final victory within Jesus. Amen? We have final victory with Jesus. I'm going to invite our worship team up. Every opportunity to be knocked over means that you have the opportunity, every opposition to knock you over means you have the opportunity to get back up. That builds perseverance. That builds faith. The Bible talks about how you grow your faith through your trials and tribulations Every stone thrown at you that knocks you over is just an opportunity to build your faith and to get back up and to move forward. I know some of your testimonies in this place. Many of you have testimonies of hardships and things that have happened with you in your lifetime, even this past year, and yet you are sitting here this morning because you got back up. Sometimes it's okay to give yourself credit for the life you're living. Some of you have been through a battlefield, but you are here today because you got back up. Paul was stoned, dragged out of the city, yet he got back up. I think it's, it's very important to understand that uh, Paul, when he was stoned, his disciples came around him. It reads, but when the disciples gathered around him, he got back up. It doesn't give details, but I imagine 
that his disciples, when they gathered around him, they probably prayed for him. They probably helped him up, lifted him up. They probably, he was probably limping, right? He probably, he probably had both two disciples just carrying him with him, right? It's important for us to understand that Paul put people around him to lift him up, to pray for him, to intercede for him on behalf of God. He got back up, but his, his disciples were around him. He was not alone. Amen, church? He was not alone. So when you get hit by stones of life, yes, it's your relationship between you and God, but it's also people around you that will lift you up. We are a church that lifts you up. Don't walk through life alone. Don't walk through life isolated. Walk through life with a group of people who will lift you up so you can get back up every time you're hit with a stone. Satan wants nothing more for you to not have balance in your life. You can take areas that are healthy in your life and you can go to the extreme and make them too healthy that they become the thing you worship. It's important to have balance in our life and to worship God first. And then as we are worshiping God, have the expectation that there is an opposition trying to destroy our lives. And when that opposition throws stones at us, when that opposition knocks us down, we gotta get back up, amen? Let's stand to our feet this morning. Get back up, church. Keep fighting the fight. Be on the offense, offense. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and go on the offensive. Let people know that you are a proud Christian, that your identity is in Christ, that your life is the way it is because you have Jesus in your heart. You want to walk around with joy in your life, with joy in your heart, because God is with you. Amen? Amen. We're going to worship here. I'm going to pray and dismiss us. Our altars are going to be open, and so if you need prayer this morning, if you're being hit by a stone today, if you're knocked down today, I want you at the altar after I pray. I want you up here because we want to pray for you. We want to lift you up. We want to recognize that we are facing a spiritual darkness, but that we are equipped through the Holy Spirit to face anything that we're are going to face. Amen? Amen. So, Lord, we pray today that you would encourage us and encourage your church, Father, to get back up when the stones are thrown at us. Lord, when we are knocked down, I pray you would encourage us to continue to move forward and alive. And in your will, God, I pray for your blessing and favor upon us, Lord. I pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Help us to be a spirit-filled church, a spirit-filled individual that will start a revival for our community, Lord. Help us to rely on your Holy Spirit today, Father. We give it all to you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Please come to the altars. We want to pray for you. For those who need to leave and get your children, God bless you.